Hey, this is Ryan Chapman with Fix Your Funnel. And today I have the privilege of having one of my good friends, Robert Vance, on. But Robert, let's just dive right into it because I don't think anybody wants to have me ramble on for too long before we get started. <laughs> How did you get into marketing automation? I, that's always a fascinating question to me because it's not. I mean, for those of the people that are, are in it or that maybe have been Infusionsoft users for a long time or something like that, it seems like everybody should know about it. But it's actually not very common. We kind of get used to the fact that we know about it. How did you learn about marketing automation? Well, I mean, for me, it started way back in like 2010. I was doing some stuff where I was selling high-end luxury real estate. And so I wanted to build a list. And then back then I got involved with a couple people and they recommended Infusionsoft. And it's like, okay, what's this Infusionsoft thing? And I started looking at it. And back then it was complicated. They didn't have Campaign Builder back then. So... I got involved with it and started using it a little bit. And then I ended up closing that company and going back to corporate America and doing stuff with them. And then around 2012, I decided to do some more online marketing stuff. And I had used Infusionsoft in the past. And so I got Infusionsoft again. In hindsight, I wish I had kept my first app that I had back in 2010. Yeah, probably better pricing too. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a lot better pricing and unlimited contacts, unlimited emails and all that stuff. And yeah. So, so now I'm stuck with one that doesn't have the vanity URL. And those, those are minor things. But I mean, the thing I loved was the campaign builder made it so much easier to build out all these automations and getting people to flow through how I wanted them to go and use multiple touch points and stuff like that. And so that's kind of how I got back into marketing automation. So it was, it was a long journey. I mean, I, I've been doing stuff off and on online since 1998. Oh, really? That's, that's when I built my first website back when I had to code my websites in notepad on, on the windows computer. Wow. Back before they had any of the fancy editors and WYSIWYG editors and WordPress and all that stuff. To be totally honest, I didn't even have to, I had to learn code by force. I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but that didn't happen for me until probably like 2005. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had heard of some stuff online. I was always wondering, what are they doing? You know, looked interesting to me, but, you know, didn't really get involved too much with online stuff until... Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, I've been online for a while, seen all kinds of things. I mean, I still remember some of the old original search engines like Alta Vista and all those other yeah. ones. I remember that kind of stuff. Well, now, okay. So you get, you get started, you kind of come in, you come out and then you get going. Now today you find yourself helping other business owners with marketing automation. Tell me a little bit about that transition. How did that end up happening? Well, so about 2014, my career in corporate America was kind of winding down. I, it was getting more and more of a pain in the neck to find clients that I enjoyed working with in corporate America. I just got so tired of the corporate structure where they treated their employees like dirt. The contractors were golden and it just got really frustrating. So I decided to take what I learned from building my own online businesses and decided to start helping other businesses do it. And so I started off kind of doing a little bit with video marketing and that kind of expanded to where I could get people to watch the videos and opt in, but then people weren't really doing much to follow up with those people after they got them opted in. It's like, there's got to be a better way. 
So that's kind of how the transition came to working with other local businesses and helping them do their email automation and email marketing behind the scenes. Interesting. Now, nowadays, I understand you do a lot more. You do quite a bit with Fix Your Funnel. Yeah, I, I, I do a lot with Fix Your Funnel. I, I really like helping people set up ways to maximize their webinars, setting, setting up texting automation so that when you're trying to schedule an appointment, get people showing up on the appointment by texting them beforehand and giving them valuable content beforehand to get them to show up. And then, you, just, you just hit uh, three things. I know you also work with people who speak from stage. But let's let's back up and kind of deconstruct the uh, the webinar one. Okay, there's, there's a lot of people that do sell by webinar, and I I don't know that they realize how much money they're leaving on the table. Is, have you found that to be true? Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing how much money people leave on the table by not implementing just a few simple things to increase their show up rate or after they've had the webinar to even increase their sales. It's there's, there's a couple simple tactics that you can use and it's not really tactics. It's more strategy to sit there and get people to answer questions and ask you questions through text messaging to generate more sales and generate an additional conversation after the webinar is over that leads to more sales. Yeah, that's, and that's really interesting to me because you know I, I think about, I call it my $3 million mistake, which was just not asking one question to people who showed up and attended our three-hour training. With my previous company before Fix Your Funnel, we had a training company and we had a guy that we'd send all over the nation, you know, two, three days a week. He was teaching two or sometimes just one training for three hours and there would have to be 50, 100 people in the room and, you know, 15 to 30% would buy but what about that other 70%? They showed up, they sat down, they listened, and we didn't ask one question. So I figured at least $3 million was left on the table just because we didn't say, hey, why didn't you buy? And in the webinar world, we see the same thing happen. I mean, what's really tough in the webinar world, maybe we should start there, is I see a lot of people complaining about low show-up rates. What are you doing to help increase show-up rates? You know, a, a lot of things with show up rates is people are busy. They sign up. And if, if you have a long period of time between the time they sign up and the time that the webinar is, and you're not communicating with them during that time frame, getting them to know you a little bit better and build that rapport, they're not going to show up because they're just going to play and forget about it. You, you, yeah. you got to send them reminders and not just one reminder an hour beforehand because I can guarantee you if I sign up for a webinar and I don't get a reminder a day or two beforehand, I'm probably going to forget about it because something's going to book my calendar and I'm just going to plain forget. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people forget about is the fact that life happens. Life goes on. You know, it steamrolls a lot of things. And, you know, I was talking to somebody recently. They're friends of mine. They are doing webinars. And I was talking about this, just this concept of, you know, the webinar or getting people to attend the webinar. I don't want to focus on the webinar reminder so much because to your point, that's where a lot of people focus is, okay, I got to do a reminder half an hour, hour before. Right. And that's insufficient. And from my perspective, it's insufficient on multiple levels. For example, you know, we all have problems. And if we see a webinar that looks like it's going to address our problem, that's when we get excited and we sign up for it. 
But I, my experience has been that the second we finish signing up, our excitement about attending that webinar tends to start to wane. Yeah, it goes down dramatically. Yeah. All of a sudden, everything else in life you know, starts coming back up because that moment has passed. And that almost seems like futile, like, oh, well, shoot, what's the point then? You know, maybe I should only have my webinars scheduled you know, 30 minutes before they start. And I don't think that's actually the solution, even though a lot of people have gone that way. The solution, I, from my perspective, is this, is you've got to set the hook, right? So if someone registers for a webinar, I would say it's like analogous to fishing, and they nibble on the hook. They're nibbling on the bait on the hook. Some people think, oh, well, that means that they've, they've taken the whole bait and the hook is in, and so they're going to, you know, just like reeling in the fish, they're going to show up to the webinar, but they don't. They don't set the hook. And what you said was really important because what you said is what I do is I help them to recognize they need to be in communication from the time of registration until the time of the event. That was a very simple way of putting a really complex process or concept, which is to set the hook, which means psychologically, you've got to get them excited about being there because anything exactly. is important, right? So my son's got a basketball game this Saturday. I'm coaching. So guess what? Am I going to forget about that? No. No, I'm going to be there. So people will say, oh, yeah, people just get busy. That's true. But they're not busy to forget about things that are really important to them, right? And so the problem is the importance level of your webinar is very low when they just register. It was, you know, there's a moment of excitement, but if we just think, well, that's going to be enough, it's not. We've got to actually figure out how to engage their conscious mind so that the priority level of our webinar goes up. And this is what a lot of people don't do. So the other mistake that they make is one that I know you don't, which is they only ask for name and email. We just made everything more difficult, you know? Exactly. Asking for name and email. How do you go about, like, I, I know you're going to ask for the mobile phone number because I know you you understand the whole concept of marketing rule number 19, which is know how you're going to sell before you leave Capture. But how do you go about getting it? Are you mostly doing web forms? Are you doing Facebook ads? What is What are you seeing working for you? What I like is I love the Facebook ads. And what I'll do is just in the lead ad, I'll ask a simple question. Would you like me to send you the cheat sheet by text that gives me their mobile phone number and it gives me permission to text them. So now instead of just email, as oh, that's a interesting. You, you just do that in there very casually, but you use a cheat sheet at the time of registration. Yeah. Additional motivation for them to give you that information. You can use a cheat sheet or a, a lot of people. I like the workbook concept. Yeah. So, okay, so maybe it's got sentences with blanks in it and stuff? Or? Yeah, sentences, sentences with blanks or the main idea and then space for them to take notes. So that way they can take notes in one spot. They print it out, they can take notes. Is there... that, that's fascinating because one of the things that I would do when we had our live trainings, as hard as you think it is to get a webinar, you know, someone to show up for a webinar, imagine trying to get them to show up to a hotel room with no money involved. Because this was yeah. a free training. And so they have to get in their car, drive across town possibly, spend three hours with you. I mean, that's quite a bit of work. But one of the things that's I realized... Investment. Yeah, it's a big investment, much bigger than a webinar. And yet the same concepts apply. So one of the things I figured out, and you know, I didn't do the workbook, although that would have been, it could have been good for us. I don't know. That's past, so I can't go back. But I, what I would tell them to do is print out their ticket. 
because I, I would make a little ticket with a fake barcode on it and have right. a number on it and all that. And you know that would be on the thank you page after they registered. And I'd say, print this out, put it on your desk, make sure you don't forget. Because I knew that emails and even calendar alerts, like I can't tell you how many times my watch buzzes <laughs> and I miss it entirely because I get so focused when I'm working, right? Yeah, I, I ignore them half the time. <laughs> If I if something's really important, I almost have to set an Alexa alarm, you know. So I'll, so I, what I have to do is I have to put an alarm there so I get an audible noise. Otherwise, I'll just miss it entirely. And yeah. so all those things, you know, what you're trying to do is get out of the email inbox. That's why the text message is so effective. But in all honesty, printing out that workbook and putting it on your desk or put it on the fridge or somewhere where they're going to see it every day until then, having them do that is even more powerful than the text message in many ways. And what we're trying to really accomplish is not just be a nag and say, hey, you got to show up, you got to show up. But we want to engage their heart and mind into the idea that, hey, this is going to be really important for me. Yeah, you want, that, you, you want that emotional involvement. Yeah. And that's where I think so many people miss the boat is they don't think about the fact that, oh, we're trying to actually get an emotional engagement or involvement, like you said, in order for people to show up. So I love that idea of the, the workbook. Do you tell people to print it out when like right after they register and they get it? Sometimes I do. Most of the time though, it's just, here's, here's the workbook. And then on one of the pages inside the workbook, I usually have printed out. I probably, probably should put that in the message when it gets. Yeah. Sent. I found that people are actually pretty good about following instructions if they get clear instructions. Yeah. Some people won't. I'm probably one of them because I'm a bit contrarian. <laughs> you know, like, don't tell me what to do. But that's fine. You know, the fact that they hey, said, hey, first thing to do is print this out. You know, I think that, that you're going to get most of the people to do that. And for me, I always wanted to get something in their physical environment. That's why we did the send out cards integration that we used to have initially was because what I wanted really bad was I wanted something physical in their environment that they couldn't ignore. Because I knew email... I mean, the competition back at that time wasn't as bad as it is now, but it was still tough. You know, it's just ones and zeros on a device. And at that time, it was mostly desktop computers. So it's really easy to get away from it. Yeah. It's super competitive, even though it's on smartphones for some people. It's just super competitive. So it's hard to get it actually seen. But all that being said, if I can get in the physical world, that's a that's a way better way to get people to actually show up because there's something nagging at them in a positive way, you know, reminding them of the pain and the benefit that they're going after. So I like that idea a lot. Okay, yeah. so you're doing a workbook, you're doing a cheat sheet, something that you can get in the physical realm. Sounds like from now on, you're also going to be telling them explicitly, go ahead and print this out now. Yeah. That, that way you don't miss it. Add to that text message. Well, and the assumption I always like to go off of in, in this whole beginning part of a webinar is that assumption that hey, you said you wanted to reg you know, you registered. There must be a reason. For most people, if they're registering for a webinar, there is some reason. It must have some market to message match, meaning the message right. of the webinar must match some need in their life. So if we take that assumption, then we want to do everything we can to help them to actually have success. And so for, from my perspective, a big part of that is showing up, right? Exactly. <laughs> if they don't show up, they can't go any further, no matter how great you're. They get stuck. So anything we can do to help them progress is a big deal. So I think asking them to print out that thing, maybe if there's a pre-webinar exercise that they can go through, I think that's another good one I've seen that that's really effective. You know, anywhere where they're having to process. I read this book. It was a book on pricing and 
what it said was that, you, have you ever been to a, a conference or something, someone's selling, and they start putting all these things up there about, well, this module is worth this, and then this call here is going to be worth $10,000, and then you know, blah, 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 and then it all adds up to $100 million, but I'm going to give it to you today for 2000 Yeah. The, We've all seen that. The price stack that I don't agree with. That, well, <laughs> the, the reason that frequently it's is comes off as you know, like a bad technique instead of something actually powerful is because there's no belief in the mind of the audience that any of those values anywhere remotely to real. It's just like he just pulled them out of his butt. There's no, there's no sense to it. Right. But if, if people actually had to process that, that, that number and they had to actually go, is that worth that? Then it actually sticks is what the research has shown. And so the interesting part about this pre-webinar preparation is if you can get them to process something about their situation, it actually, it starts the whole thing. That starts the whole thing. So that is what sets stuff in the mind. And so if you did have some sort of exercise in the workbook that was a pre-webinar exercise, that is more likely to make them go, oh, okay, yes, this is it. This is important. This is what I want to see. So that's something to consider. I think all these things are things that people don't think about. They're just like, oh, I got to sell. So I'm going to do a webinar. I'm going to schedule it. And they don't think about all these pieces. Now, if you're just doing a one-off webinar, you're probably not going to go through all this trouble. But if you're doing a webinar that you do on a somewhat regular basis, then I don't you agree that that would be absolutely the, the best thing you could do is think about how do you prepare them to actually want to show up? Yeah. I mean, the more you can get them engaged and really feeling that pain and the potential benefit of that webinar, helping them get out of that pain, the better off you're going to be. Yeah. That was a super loaded question I asked you, by the way. (laughs) I don't think you could have gone another direction. (laughs) Okay. So that's, that's getting them to actually show up. You know, most of the techniques you do, do they involve anything with the person's presentation? Or do you just kind of say, hey, look, if you've got a presentation that's working, let's keep that. I'm going to enhance around it. And uh, that's going to be what's going to make a big difference for you. You just keep selling the way you've been selling. Or do you actually go into modifying people's presentations? So I would say for about 95% of people, we don't modify the existing presentation. We just go in around it and put in stuff to help get that hook engaged and then follow up afterwards to make sure you're getting the most benefit and the most likelihood of people making a purchase. I've got a a curiosity question for you. Have you ever done a post-registration text message? A post-registration text message? Yeah, so when when people register, everybody does. Everybody that I have ever heard of that's using text messages with uh, webinars is doing it pre-webinar. So in other words, they're doing like the hour before, thirty minutes before to remind people to show up. But I've seen very few people that do the immediate registration confirmation text. So because you're probably, what's your preferred uh, webinar platform, or do you just kind of do with whatever the client's using? I, I do whatever the client's using, but I, I like Zoom and easy webinar. Okay. So if you're doing Zoom, right, let's say you're running some sort of process inside of Infusionsoft to register them, right? And then now they're registered, you've got their link and everything. One of the, the concepts that I teach in my master classes, you know, is that post-registration text message. It includes the link, it includes the date and time, you know, maybe an indication to 
go print out the thing like you're saying, or go put this date and time into your calendar now. But then also at that point, I can do a couple of things. One is I could attach my V card. That way, any future messages I send will be recognized, right? Right. Or is that contact card? Another thing I can do is link from that to a pre-webinar uh, simple survey, which would use like the Fix Your Funnel simple survey to ask them a few questions. The interesting part about the question asking is it can set thoughts in motion. Did you ever see that movie, um, Inception? Yeah. So, you know, the whole basis for Inception is that they're trying to get this guy to think a thought that they're wanting to plant there, but that he has to take his being his yes, own. Right? thought. Yeah. And the fascinating part is, is that a, a well-worded question does Inception in many ways. And I, I think that's something that a lot of people still haven't grasped in their pre-webinar process is that if you incorporated a simple survey right off the bat, right when they were registered, send them the confirmation, hey, take this quick assessment to see where you are before we do the webinar. You know, that kind of flow really could allow you to implant some thoughts because most of our thoughts are actually originated out of questions. Right. You can, you can evaluate yourself and you'd probably go, is that true? And then boom, you just asked the question. <laughs> I got you. So have you done anything like that with any of your clients yet? Usually the client is the one that kind of holds back on that stuff. I've made the suggestion to people. Some people are reluctant to do that, but I, I really like the power of that first initial text message because then you can include the V card. So then even if you don't send very many text messages in between afterwards, when you send that text message or you go to call them to follow up with them on the webinar after yeah. the webinar, then your contact information is already there and it increases the likelihood of getting a response. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, you know, what's interesting too is um, I think it's strange that people would kick against that. <laughs> I wonder what they're thinking. You know what I mean? I can't say, and I, you probably don't want to say what they're thinking either from a client uh, shaming perspective. But Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to know what they're thinking, but I think a lot of times they, they want to just follow the advice of some guru that they've learned about doing webinars from and the guru didn't mention it. They think it, it won't work and won't add value. It was really interesting. So I guess it's almost been two months now. Um, my son used to take pasta to the sink and he spilled it, gave himself second and third degree burns down his legs. And, um, you know, he's been recovering through that process. There's some different things that the doctors and uh, nurses and physicians assistants have asked him to do along the way. And I've been present whenever those doctors were giving instructions. And sometimes those instructions are misunderstood by him. And so he'll yeah. read more into it than what they said. As a, as a result, he's very hesitant to do something. I'm like, it's okay, Josh, you can do that. And he'll be, no, no, I can't do that. The doctor said no. And I understand because, you know, there's some trauma involved in there. But I, I think this is kind of similar to what happens with some people as they go and they, they get some advice from a guru. And I, I don't – hopefully – People couldn't hear me sigh too loud when you said the guru thing. But the problem is I know too many gurus. And so um, and I know them behind closed doors. And so what that means is that I know that often, and this is just a matter of necessity, they have to abbreviate and simplify advice. 
Because if they gave you all the caveats, you'd be like, that's too complex. I can't follow that. And you wouldn't follow it. So in order for them to be effective, so the more effective a guru is, the the bigger, more well-known they are, the more they have to boil down their advice, which is fascinating. Yeah, they got to kind of sugarcoat it. Yeah, because if they gave you the full truth, you'd be like, well, I'm not doing anything, man. Yeah. (laughs) And so... What's interesting is, you know, this this situation where you have um, business owners saying, well, the guru didn't say to do that, so I'm not going to do it, is kind of disappointing. And I wish what gurus would do is teach the principles. Because if you teach the principles, like what we've discussed in this um, podcast episode so far, is we talked about the need to set the hook emotionally, right? To get the yeah. person fully engaged. Well, if you understand that principle, then all these other approaches to, to implementing that then to make total sense, right? Because you're like, oh, okay. Well, if I want to set the hook, then anything I can do that engages them, you know, at an emotional level, that introduces thoughts into their head through questions, that's going to be super effective. And I'm going to want to figure out a way to do that, right? If I'm thinking um, marketing rule number 19, which I wish more gurus would actually understand, but they don't, um, then they would go, oh, I need to be able to sell so when I leave capture, I got to be thinking about how I'm going to sell at that point. So I'm going to ask for the cell phone number. I'm going to ask some questions. You know, I'm not going to be afraid to engage with them. You know, one of the things too, Robert, that I've seen, I'm curious to get your read on this is if you're having huge webinars, right? So I have, we have some fixture funnel users that will have, you know, two, three, 4,000 people show up to a webinar, um, on a daily basis or something like that, or, you know, they just have a ton of people, maybe it's even 500. Um, when you have those kind of numbers, it makes it very difficult for you to be able to engage with those people pre-webinar. In that case, you kind of want to filter. You don't want to be taking a whole lot of questions pre-webinar. You kind of want to let the people qualify themselves by actually showing up, sticking around for you know most, if not the whole webinar, and then you engage with those folks, right? Right. Kind of filtered out. But if you're running a smaller webinar where your numbers are much smaller, it makes a ton of sense to engage with the prospects pre-webinar because that, again, builds rapport and trust and makes it so that the priority to show up gets higher. Now, you don't want to satiate the need, but the, the thing, the concept is this, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, are, is to ask an open-ended question in your registration confirmation text message and something to the effect of, what are you hoping to get out of this webinar? Right. So you, you basically want to open a loop and then close it in the webinar. Exactly. And so you're creating that you know, anticipation. But the other thing it does for you as the person who's given the webinar is it lets you know what people actually care about, which really helps when you're trying to sell. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, especially with the, with the smaller webinars, it gives yeah. you a chance to kind of address those questions as you're going through the webinar when you get closer to that, the end of the webinar where you're about to make your pitch, then you can ad- address those questions that they have and increase the likelihood of getting a sale out of it. Well, and the interesting part, I know that because I'm always thinking, okay, what would people say to conflict that and how, do, how can we address that? And the, the, the place where someone might argue against that is say, well, hey, I ask questions during my webinar already. And so I get questions there. But I, I would argue that there's a different sentiment going on during the webinar than there is before the webinar at the time of registration. Go Not ahead. only that, but during the webinar, you're usually so busy trying to focus and make sure you don't lose your place and lose your train of thought that most of the time, most of the questions don't get answered. And I would even argue that I think some of the, you won't get all the same questions. I think you'll get more questions when you ask before. You right. get the moment of, 
oh yeah, this is what I'm, this is what I really want to know. This is what I really want to get. And sometimes that can be a reflection of your bullet points on the registration page, right? Or in your invitation. And that's fine because if, if you are getting that reflection, then that tells you, okay, I, I do actually know what the market's concerned about. But sometimes you'll learn something new and that, that data is actually super valuable in addition to engaging them. It can really help you to maybe to refine your targeting. Yeah, refine your targeting, refine your message. And exactly. Your, everything. And then even your, your, your presentation, if you're seeing trends, right? I wouldn't do it for every single question that comes in but i would know but if if, if if you see a majority of the people asking that same question then yeah it's definitely something to take into consideration so yeah okay so now we i think we've beat before the webinar to death <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't know that there's much else that you could do that would really be fantastic before the webinar beyond what we've talked about i mean you kind of laid out at the very beginning we kind of glazed over it so for the sake of clarity i want to point out what you put you put out earlier which is the fact that you're going to do this and just kind of drip it out over time between when they register and when they actually show up. In our case, we would start inviting people two weeks before our live event. And depending on if they registered two weeks before or the day before, they were getting different information, right? Which is easy. Right. Infusionsoft, especially for someone like you that really understands how it works. Okay. So that's before the webinar. Well, I'm going to leave during the webinar completely alone because I feel like yeah. the person has been selling at all. It, often I don't want to tweak or mess with the thing that's working, right? So if they've been selling at all and they're kind of happy with that, you, I think you probably, like you said, you said 95% of the time you don't touch the webinar. So it's probably the same philosophy there for you. Exactly. I mean, if, if, if it's working and they're getting sales, then we just want to crank up and increase the likelihood of the people attending and the number of people going out the back end. Yeah, I, I wanted to move on, but I can't, I don't think we can move on without stating again how critical it is to prepare people for the webinar. People often think that the webinar is going to do the preparation for the sell, but everything you do before the webinar is preparing for the webinar. You want to prime their minds to be ready to receive what you're going to give during that webinar. And all the stuff you do before is so critical. And I think too many people overlook it. They're going to get, okay, I'll do a registration confirmation, maybe drip a couple of emails on them and then a reminder. You know, yeah. that's probably a bulk of the webinars. That's what's so sad, I think, for me, is that there's not more people working with someone like you that understands all this jazz that needs to happen before in order to make them more effective. I mean, it's, frankly, it's like grabbing the pinball machine and tilting it, right? <laughs> You're, you're changing all of the things in your favor, and so many people don't do it. They just walk into the thing with both hands tied behind their back, and they'll take whatever they can get in their mouth, right? And Sometimes they're even both hands behind their back and blindfolded. Yeah, and it just it's, it's so sad because they could put everything in their favor just by doing a few of these things, just relatively quick things that can be added. Because, Robert, for you, you come and you look at their, their existing webinar, their existing process, it's not like you're having to reinvent the wheel. You, you've done this so many times. You know exactly what to look for, right? Yeah, it's, it's just a matter of basically bolting on some additional tools in the front and the back. And See, you say it and it sounds so simple, but I think what, what people don't realize, it's like my car, right? I've got a mechanic. He's like a race car mechanic. I take my cars to and I have no clue what's going on in the engine. I know you put gas in it and you can put some oil in it, but usually I have somebody else change that. 
you know, I have no clue what's going on with that vehicle. And if it ever broke down on the side of the road, I'm toast unless somebody comes and picks it up, right? Yeah. And I'm fine with that. But for him, it's easy. He's like, oh, no big deal. You know, da, 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 da. I don't even understand what he's saying. And, but he's telling me everything he fixed. Uh, that, that, you're the same way for this webinar stuff. Is For you, it's so natural. You don't even have to think about it. For, for, but for many people, it's kind of intimidating. Yeah. That's probably why they end up doing the simple stuff and leave all the odds against them. Okay, so you've done that. What do you do post-webinar that's so special? I like, I like to engage people after the webinar with a text message especially the people that didn't buy and asking them why they bought. Do you why have any buy? questions? You know what I call them? I call them should have bots. Yeah. Because they, 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 they stayed through the entire webinar. Yeah. So obviously they're, they're, they're interested in what you're talking about. They should have bought. Yeah. They did everything a buyer does except for give you money. With your clients, do you find yourself asking a different question for each one of them? Do you like tailor it or do you have like a standard question that you end up asking post webinar to people who attended but didn't buy? I have a standard framework that I like okay. to structure it in, but then it's kind of tailored to each individual person's webinar. I don't, in other words, I don't use the exact same words in every yeah. single text because the context may not make sense in from one webinar to another. Yeah. So you, you got to kind of kind of tailor it to the question to the content of the webinar. Yeah. Okay, so you, you, you tailor to the content. Um, do you ask the question like right when the webinar ends or how long do you end up waiting? Is there some f- sort of formula you use or how, how do you figure I, out? I, I usually like to wait at least an hour after the webinar ends because, uh-huh. I mean, some, peop- some people may, may, maybe they had an appointment they had to go to and they didn't get a chance to buy right then. That way it gives the people that should have bought a chance to actually buy before you're sitting there bombarding them with questions. So I know like Frank Kern, which some people may have heard of when he implemented this strategy that you're know, using a fixture funnel, he, he would wait three hours because he found that that was the bulk of his purchases happened three hours after the webinar. So he kind of let those people that, you know, were still processing and would buy, buy before he introduced his question. I've heard from another person when I said, well, when did the bulk of your sales come in? And they told me 72 hours. And I'm thinking... Um, it was 72 hours, like the bulk. I'm wondering what they mean by that. Maybe my question wasn't good enough. Do you look for a grouping? What kind of grouping do you look for? And are you looking at like multiple webinars before you decide on that timing? Because really you don't want to interfere with the people who are in a natural process. You really want to get the people who are going to get hung up. Right. So I, I, I like to look at statistics over a couple webinars and see when the majority of the people are buying, I mean, you're going to get so the people that majority. Are you thinking like half 80%? What are you, what are you saying? Well, you've, you've got people that are going to buy right away. Yeah. And then, so you kind of exclude those people and then you have the people that are going to sit there and wait until the deadline for the bonuses expire. Okay. So you're typically using bonuses then. So, that so I'll, I'll sit there and wait and exclude the outer limits and then look for a grouping within okay. and try, try to identify those. Interesting. So when you're looking at the grouping, are you just kind of looking at a report that shows the t- date and time when they bought and you know the date and time of the webinar? Right. And you're looking at that or do you load it into like a spreadsheet or how do you go about it? 
I'll, I'll, I'll tend to download the data and then look at it in the spreadsheet, but there's, there's no secret math to it. I just look yeah. for groupings of when the majority of the people are buying. Very cool. I think that that's important because it just helps people get a feel for how they, you know, they're able to identify these groupings. So they, if they're thinking about, well, I wonder when most of my people are buying, they can go ahead and pull that down, throw it into a spreadsheet, look and see where that is. And that will help them before they work with somebody like you. So yeah. they're, they're okay. They've got their grouping. They figured out when uh, most of them, you know, when the biggest part of them are going, uh, do you like, if you do have a bonus time frame, are you asking before that bonus is over or are you extending the bonus to people? I'm just curious if there's anything like that you've tried. No, never, never expend, extend the bonus. Okay. And I mean, if, if you have people that are waiting like your example where you said you had one guy waiting where his bulk of those purchases were 72 hours later. What I would do is implement a staggered bonus where after a couple hours, one of the bonuses goes away and then the next highest value goes away after that. Because if you, if you're getting people waiting until 72 hours afterwards to purchase, you, you just haven't set the right urgency for them. Yeah. It's interesting. So you, you find that you will help them tailor slightly their offering. You might not tailor the whole purchase, but you will help them modify the offering so that it's more compelling. Right. But that generally doesn't require them changing their whole webinar structure right. and their content. They're just making little tweaks at the very end of the webinar where they're having their call to action. I think that's a, something that a lot of people don't consider, too, when they're thinking about getting some help is when you have somebody like you that's worked with so many people and done so many webinars, you kind of get to see some things that you don't see when you're just doing your own, right? Exactly. I think one of the things that we did well with our training company that we had was that we were doing so many. We ended up doing like 440 trainings over the course of a few years. And because we're doing so many, we were getting a ton of feedback and a ton of data that allowed us to tweak and adjust things over time. That's where a lot of the lessons I've learned about marketing came from is all that feedback that we were getting through doing all those events. And I mean, we were spending close to half a million a year just on travel and bookings and stuff like that of rooms and stuff because it was just so much that we were doing. And when you have that much money on the line, that also helps you to focus in better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is in spite of all that, I, I still didn't learn that lesson until very late in the game to, you know, just ask a question after the webinar. Just find out. You did everything a buyer did except for buy. You know, what's holding you back? Yeah. Right? What made you not decide to take action today? I mean, those kind of questions. Do you have, so what's your general framework that you have? Obviously, you tailor it. But what are some of the key points that you're looking for in your post-webinar question? Why, why they didn't buy? Do they have any unanswered questions? Do they need additional information? Maybe the offer wasn't clear enough for them. Do they need clarification? Yeah. The main thing is to, to get a dialogue going to where you can sit there and answer their questions or get them on a phone call where you can close the sale. You know, what's interesting about that is my observation has been that, and I'll share my observation. I'm really curious to see what you've observed. But my observation has been that most people really only have one question or one concern that's holding them back. It's not like they've got a laundry list. 
Right. So there are there are those people that have a laundry list, but most people, it's just one question like, okay, so what was the payment plan? Or so I didn't understand what was what was included in that. Or well, I just don't know if I go forward and then this doesn't work, you know, what's the guarantee? It's kind of those kind of things. Has that been your experience or what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it will come down to, I, I really want to do this, but I don't get paid till Friday and it's Tuesday when you're having the webinar. Is there something we can work out? Or it could be yeah. as simple as... Yeah, I bet that, that cash flow, you know, the money management part. Right. Huge or, or it could be as simple, especially with higher ticket purchases. People are like, dude, man, that's a chunk of change to come up with when I wasn't expecting to have this expense. Do you have a payment plan? Is it, is it spread out over two payments or three payments or whatever? Okay, so you, that brings up an interesting point. You really do quite a bit of work with people that have high-ticket sales. Right. Those are common questions you guys run into. Because, you know, it's interesting. I think that sometimes, even especially in those high-ticket situations, there is this little bit of weird social pressure on a person to have to pay all at once. And so they're kind of fighting with that because they don't maybe want to make the cash outlay. You know, mostly for like cash flow purposes, if anything else. Exactly. But, you know, there's almost this weird thing about if you ask for the payment plan, maybe that's just me, I don't know. But do you think that that's true that sometimes people get like, huh, I don't want to really ask about it. But if you ask them, then they're like, yeah, well, here's the deal. Yeah, I mean, so I think a lot of people have a stigma about asking for different terms than what you're offering. And my rule of thumb has always been, if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. Yeah. But that, that, I think that that's exactly why it's so powerful to ask the question after the webinars because people do have questions. Right. People do do want some things clarified, but they're not going to do it on their own, which is so fascinating because like at the end of the webinar, you're like, hey, are there any questions? And they could have asked the question then, but they're not going to. They're not going to. Oh, oh yes, we got Robert here. Robert's got a question about price. He can't afford to pay the whole thing. So yeah. exactly, they're like, no, I'm not doing that. And so they don't ask the question. And then when you ask the question to them, like, hey, is there some, any question you had about the thing? However you word that. It, and I don't even know. I know that wording is important, but I'm not sure how compared to like, I think you get 90% of the benefit just out of asking the question of, do you have yeah. any questions? Do you have any concerns? Like if you got it really right, maybe you get an extra 10% of result out of it. But I think a bulk of your, your outcome comes from just asking, just opening the door for them to be able, you know, creating that space for them to be able to express whatever is holding them back. Because obviously if they got on a webinar you know, they, they jumped over all those hurdles to get that life was throwing at them to get there. They stayed for the whole time, which means sometimes fending off people and demands from other things. And then they saw the offer and they didn't buy it. You know, there's got to be some reason they stuck around that long. You know, so let's not let that become a you know an issue that prevents them from buying. The interesting part I saw with like I know Frank Kern shared with us that he had double the sales. So he got an extra dollars in sales uh, the first year. It wasn't even the first year, it was like eight months that he implemented the strategy. And from what I heard, I didn't hear this directly from him, it was from somebody else that works with them. He was super angry about it. <laughs> Which I was like, well, wait, yeah. why is he why is he angry? And he was angry because he left so much money on the table because for years he'd been doing all these webinars 
you know, doing all these sales events and didn't do this one thing. And I wouldn't, I won't say it. But anyways, what, what have you seen with results when you just implement that portion? I mean, there a lot of them are, are like Frank, they, they're kicking themselves in the hiney for not implementing it sooner and getting those results sooner. Have you ever had anybody where they had fewer sales because they implemented the post-webinar question? Not yet. And is, is there a range that you see an increase, like on a minimum size, when they ask the question? I've, I've seen anywhere from 20 to 50% increase. I have heard 50 to 200% increase. You know, that's been the range. But I, you know, I hear from a bigger variety, so they can have different price points. I think if yeah. you're doing the higher end, it's probably going to be a little bit more mild. But still, 25 to 50% raise is pretty nice. Here's the fascinating part about that, the second half of that strategy, right? The first half is about getting them to show up, which naturally can increase your, your sales right there. But we were just talking just about the post-webinar question. What's fascinating about that is every one of those sales is pure profit. Exactly. You've already had the investment in there. So each additional one is pure profit on top. So that's a, that can be a pretty, it could be just a 100% profit increase for some people just by getting that second part in place. That's right. the interesting part is, and I would be surprised, I would be interested to see your chart that does this, but have you ever been to our one-click upsell page on Fix Your Funnel? Not, not inside of the application, but the public page. It's been so long ago, Ryan, I probably forgot. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't <laughs> think that there'd be any reason you would remember it. That's what I was asking <laughs> for. But I would encourage you to go to it today. And on it, there is a matrix. And I put a matrix on there that shows what is your purchase price, what, you know, what is your recommended first upsell, second upsell, and a downsell, right? And I know that across those three, you're going to get 20% of the people to say yes. And so I, based on your initial purchase price, I tell you how many sales, upsells you've got to have. So how many upsells or how many people do you have that are buying currently to be able to figure out when you get to break even with my software as a service, right? And the chart is kind of almost ridiculous because it shows you how quickly this service becomes free for you. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, you only have to have like two or three sales to have this happen. So I would be interested in seeing for you, what does your matrix look like for people that are selling at a 500, a thousand, a 2000, a 5,000 price point using the the low end, right? Because I always like to use the low number. 20% is the average when it comes to upsells. If you're lower than that, you probably have something wrong with your offer. If you're higher than that, your price is too low. But 20% is like the average across the board. I would be interested to see what your matrix would look like for your clients. So people could go, oh, wow, this is kind of a no-brainer for me to have Robert just set this up because one, he knows exactly what he's doing, so he can't screw it up. And then two, I'm going to be making money off this by the end of the first or second webinar, depending on what my price point is. Exactly. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation, uh, Robert. I really appreciate you being on here. I know there's some other stuff that you do and we didn't get to cover. Maybe we can have you back another time and talk about your work with people from the stage and some of those other things. But any closing remarks that you have to people that find themselves selling by webinar? Feel free to reach out. If you go to my website, nitrogoldmarketing.com, there's a little button that says text webinar to a number. You do that and we can set up a consultation and help you out. So what is it called? Nitro? Nitrogomarketing.com. Great. Yeah, uh, Robert, it's been a pleasure. I've known Robert for a long time. I think I must have met you before you went full-time into doing what you're doing today when you're still in the corporate gigs at uh, yeah. icons over the year. 
one of the things I really appreciate about Robert is he's a straight up guy. Whatever he tells you, that's what he's going to do. And it's been a pleasure knowing you. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Ryan.